listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. It's the middle of the week. It is the middle of the week, and I'm glad of it. Good morning, Harry Jules. Good morning, Paul Bass. Good morning, everybody at WNHH Radio 103.5. I'm Babs Rolls Ivy. This is Love Babs Love Talk. Thanks for tuning in. And y'all tune in from all over the world. You know how I know? Because y'all reach out to me. <laughs> Harry, people sliding into my DMs. In, in a nice way. I, I've only gotten a few proposals. And I'm always, you know, these little cats from the Middle East that send proposals. I was like, baby, you don't want me for a wife. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a Muslim. <laughs> My name might sound a little Muslim-y. I'm not Muslim. And you, you just wouldn't like me as a wife. I'm barely Christian. <laughs> I'm half-assed Christian at that, at most. <laughs> I wouldn't make anybody a good wife. I mean, you know, the kind of man, I, a wife, I, a kind of man would have to be so free to want to have me as a wife. Because I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't be, I've been a wife. I was a good wife. My ex-husband had no qualms with me being a wife. He thought I was a good wife. He tells everybody to this day, you know. <laughs> I'm not flattered by that because he divorced me. <laughs> How could could I have been? <laughs> he filed for divorce. I did file for divorce. So, listen. To all the men out there who be sliding my DMs, talk about what I consider a proposal of marriage. No. I mean, yes, but no. <laughs> so happy Wednesday. <laughs> I'm unstoppable. So this morning, we, we're doing two talks, Harry. At 920, I got a Lauren Anderson from, from uh, Possible Futures Bookstore with Nizay James from... Uh, uh, BAM books, you know, by any means necessary books, mobile bookstore, and Juanita Sunday from um, Cultural, uh, I think it's Cultured as Cultured AF, and, and currently enjoying um, the opening of uh, The Sixth Dimension. And baby, if you have not, if you've not taken a trip to The Sixth Dimension, get out your one dimension life and go on over to uh, the lab at Concord, up on the third floor. And there's elevators, so you don't have to huff yourself up the stairs, get in the elevator, get off, and walk into the sixth dimension. You will you will love it. I'm going to go back so I can watch, see it without all the crowd. Just saying. So anyway, they're coming on at uh, 9.20 to talk about the Fred Hampton um, 75th birthday bash that's happening over there on uh, Edgewood and Hotchkiss in front of Possible Futures Bookstore. We're serving breakfast, baby, in honor of the chairman. You know, the chairman of the Black Panther Party? Uh, and they were the ones that got the whole government thinking about feeding children breakfast because the Black Panthers was doing it. And when I was a child, I had Black Panther breakfast. <laughs> I did. I had Black Panther breakfast right over here on Dixville Avenue. Uh, when I was little, I remember it. Because uh, it was such good breakfast. <laughs> I'm, I Listen, I may not remember a whole lot, but I can tell you what I ate. <laughs> I can tell you about food. So anyway, they're coming out to talk about the birthday bash, the 75th birthday bash. Uh, today, 
five o'clock. Uh, it's going to be something. Now, listen, it's it's cloudy out now. It might you might get a rain this morning, but by the afternoon, baby, it's just going to be uh, it's going to be beautiful. So uh, I want you. Uh, it's going to be Johnny Nash beautiful. You know, I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. <laughs> so it's it's one it's gonna be that kind of day. And then at 10:15, I got I got uh the heavy hitters coming on. Uh Ife uh Gardine with the whole Elm City Lit Fest that's jumping off on the ninth in um uh uh in partnership with the uh Yale. The uh, romance writers conference that they're doing at Yale, and so there's some 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 cross purposing. So uh, someone from that camp is uh, is coming over. Uh, I believe her name is uh, Jania Renee. Or I, don't get don't get me to saying it wrong. I'll get it right. I'll get it right. I'll get it right. And uh, she'll be on. Uh, let me see. And and uh, and the uh, wonderful talented. Um, who is known for uh, historical historical romance novels, um, Beverly? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm 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 disconnected because I'm I'm trying to look at all the stuff that I'm trying to look at at one time. So uh, all these folks are coming on this morning. I'm so delighted. So they're coming on. And we're going to have a good conversation about romance novels because, you know, I had Dr. Jackson on the other day and uh, and she she high five uh, Beverly Jenkins, who I believe is my soror and was on uh, the Delta's authors on tour. Uh, I read a Beverly Jenkins book. I had to fly across country or it was a long flight. So I picked up a paperback, but it wasn't one of the historical ones. It was a contemporary run. And I read it there. And then finished it on the way back. It was so damn good. <laughs> I can't call the name of it, but I can tell you the characters. Uh, a woman car breakdown. The tow truck guy uh, uh, rescues her. Uh, she's a little snobby about him. But he, like, owns the tow tr truck com company. So he's not broke. But, you know, you don't know. So, anyway, they hit it off and have a, you know, pitfalls of love and intimacy but anyway it was such a good book so i read it halfway there and read it halfway back on the flight <laughs> that's my that's my beverly jenkins story oh genia re moore yale african-american studies so she's going to come on and represent um the popular romance fiction the literature of hope uh the conference at yale so they got a whole cadre of folks lined up to talk about romance and romance and the state of romance books. So I, that's going to be a good conversation, I think. I mean, I think it's all going to be good. Anyway, we get to remember Fred Hampton, which I'm which I'm, I'm so delighted. You know, I, I brought this project to my friends uh, because a former friend wanted to do this and was concerned about it. And I, I brought it to them and they just ran with it, ran with it and just made it into this beautiful thing. You know, over a period of time, there were poetry writings. and I mean, it was just a wonderful, it was just a wonderful uh, a, a series of events leading up to today's, you know, uh, capstone. So, which is the birthday bash, and it's all about breakfast. So, I hope there'll be some stuff I can eat. Like, I, I'll eat some bacon. Don't get me wrong. And uh, you know, as long as I don't got no cheese and butter on it, baby, I'm good. So they'll be on in five minutes, and they'll 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 give me the real four one one on what's happening and what what to look forward to. I'm I'm excited. 
So, so my whole day, this is after I get off air, I'm going to take my practice LSAT test. Cause I got, I got to get in, I got to get in the game. I got to put my head in the game. And, uh, and then I got to go and register for some, uh, some schools, some LSAT school, I mean, uh, law school, uh, open houses and talks. So I'm gonna go do that today too. Cause there's some coming up and, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be in the truck in the area with me in Connecticut. So I, I got to, position myself to get in somebody's school close by. <laughs> I don't know how this, Lord, this is one of these moments where you know it is in God's hands. You know, uh, this is how you know it's in God's hands. It's just got to be, it's going to be in God's hands. Because I, I don't know, I don't know how to read the T on any of this. This really is me just going by faith. I have no, I have no idea how to I don't know how this is going to go. I know what I want, but 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 it's in God's hands, and uh, and I, I I prepare for the worst and hope for the best. I mean, push kind of show. I don't get in anybody's law school, and and I would have I would have enjoyed this opportunity to 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 take a run at it, and and then you just make other plans and you move on. That's just what it is. Um, that's it. I I'm I, you know I'm not going to cry or throw myself to the rocks. I'm not going to do that. Just, you know, just make other other decisions. It's fine. What's meant for me won't get by me. I've been saying that all my life. So anyway, let's see. What else is going on in the popular world? I'm not really, I just turned on Good Morning America like five minutes ago and caught like, you know, I guess uh, Hurricane Adalia is a category three storm. You know, it was a four. Now it's a three. It's back to a four. Now a three. Anyway, they get it's it's wet in Florida. That's all I know. It's very wet, <laughs> and they're evacuating people. I don't know why. Listen, I'm not one of these people. You wouldn't have to tell me eight million times to evacuate. You tell me one time, my bags are packed. I'm at the door. I'm ready to go. I'm not going to. I I don't know how these people deliberate and go back and forth on this. I'm not doing it. Uh uh. I'm out. And if it's a false alarm, so be it. Just be a false alarm. It's like, where did we? They'd be like, uh, you need to evacuate. Uh, any suggestions of where I should go? Sure, go with this, that. All right, I'm on the next thing smoking. Pack my car, I'm out. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be in a store talking about, let's get some provisions and hold up in the house. Are you kidding me? I'm 60 years old. What are my chances of surviving a category three anything? <laughs> uh -uh. I'm not handy like that. I mean, I am, but I'm not. Mm -mm, mm -mm. When I can just be in a hotel 200 miles away or 800 miles away, dry, and, and having a good martini, forget about it. And I know people are like, oh, I don't want to leave my things. Oh, I'm leaving my things. Now, if, if, it's, if it's a, you know, I'll listen. If there's a few things I can put in my car that mean something to me, all right, I'll do that. I'll do that. But I'm not trying to pack dishes and none of that old mess. Damn that. A couple of pieces of artwork that mean something to me. All right. I might come and I might stick some of that in the car and get away. But other than that, maybe a couple of pieces of jewelry. You never know what you got to sell on the black market. <laughs> I've been reading too many dystopian books. <laughs> I'm watching too many dystopian movies. I, listen. I'm about it. 
right, they all piling in now. Here they come to save the day. This coffee is good. This is my Mohegan Sun coffee. Although I think I brewed it too strong. Hey, unmute yourself. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, y'all. What I got there behind me. Part part oh. of that big. Oh, I part love of our it. Big banner. <laughs> Black power. Umgawa. <laughs> How are you? I'm really good. Are we ready for the day? You know, I just feel like it's going to be beautiful no matter what it is. So yes. So yes. I I'm also anything. ready for like tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like the day after when I. Yeah, because that's your birthday. <laughs> yeah. And also like it's a day I plan to spend in my pajamas. Yes, you know, and if happy. I'm ready for my pajamas as well as being ready for the party. I know because you're closing the store down tomorrow. I am. All right. So everybody don't bring your butts over there because the store <laughs> will be closed. Come back on Friday. She needs a day <laughs> off. And it's her birthday. That's true. I usually keep that under wraps. I'm so. sorry. I, I'm putting it on blast because, you know, birthdays are important to me. <laughs> Damn what you I want, know. Laura. And I, I treasure it. <laughs> I treasure. I also realized, Babs, I don't know if you saw this, but um, I posted a little, I reposted your post the, the, from a year, a year ago today, because today is the day last year that you kind of kicked off the Babs, you know, book joy fund, which has kind of gotten shorted, shortened to the, to the book joy fund. And I just feel like it, it's so fitting. You I know? have no ego. I'm just happy that books get in the hands of people, of children. Exactly. That they could get into it. You know, I tell you, let me tell you why I do that, Lord. Let me tell you why this is important to me, because I think people just think I'm just weird. But I, I remember what it was like for my mother with four children to take us places and 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 we would long for things and we knew my mother would tell us you know black mother would tell you don't touch nothing don't look at nothing don't <laughs> and 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 home training and, and I, home I training home training and i knew what it was like <laughs> to be up against it and then when i raised my four children and then, you know we'd go to target or somewhere and uh and, and i in, in those early days of raising children we had means so we could buy them things you know if they wanted a book we could get a book and we purposely made trips to places to get them books but i find and i've been listening some parents come into bookstore and and they're nervous because they know they don't have the money to get a book for their child but they want their child to come into the bookstore and they want to come into the bookstore and they want to experience everything in the bookstore. Totally. And I know what that's like. And I and I've heard mother time and time again in your bookstore say, not this week, next week. Yeah. Yeah. And I know what that means. That means I don't I didn't budget for this. I'll come back next week. And so totally. that just resonates with me. So I was like, no, 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 I got this book. I mean, it's I also know. just can I just say I love that. I feel like it's such auntie behavior to like it you know, is. It totally <laughs> is. And also to just I love the idea of like, there are all these ears and eyes, like in the very best way of like what a neighborhood is and like, you know, people listening for each other and like looking out for each other and that you're, that you're overhearing things and like yes. acting on them. Because, you know, I think, you know, that I, I would also kind of, I would want to do something about that. And I know many of us would, but we can't always hear and see everything. And right. we also can't take responsibility individually for doing everything as one person and so it's just beautiful you're it's just the best <laughs> thank you hey Juanita unmute yourself what's up good. six dimension queen good morning good morning everyone how are you I'm great well we were just talking about the the the, the possible futures in the book club joy and 
and uh, you know, just putting books in, in the hands of kids, you know, <laughs> that's fine. So, but you know, Fred Hampton. So you're part of Fred Hampton. I know you did the graphics for it. it looks beautiful. I okay. love it. And uh, Fred Hampton would have been 75 years old, mm-hmm. which freaks me, which freaks me out because you know he was cut down at you know what 21, 22. Mm-hmm. You know, very young, very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and and to be so young. And Lauren and y'all could talk to speak to this. I don't know if Nizay's gonna check on, but he was well read at twenty something years old. You know, oh he had God. already read a whole bunch of books and had already had a world view at like twenty something. Yeah, like well read in terms of having, you know, well read in terms of the book, like reading the word, but also like well read in terms of reading the world, like having a global analysis and like ideas about solidarity that were rooted in like a real big picture informed, informed by like things that people had written, but also just informed by like the text of people's actual lives. Um, I, and I'm just an amazing, amazing human. And I will say Nize, you know, if Nize was here, who was like our resident Fred Hampton expert, um, and, and very much at the heart of this celebration and all the things that have led up to it. Um, you know, I'm sure Nize could share also things that maybe all of us don't know about Fred Hampton. Mm-hmm. The good news is that Nize is both like in a garden right now, probably with young people (laughs) growing things and planting things, which is also a wonderful way to work in the spirit of Fred Hampton right now on his birthday. Um, And also that, you know, Nize will be here tonight. So I don't think Nize is going to make the call, but Nize will be at the celebration tonight. And, uh, you know, I just like hope everybody will come and like hang out and, enjoy each other but I also hope that folks will like talk to each other about Fred um especially if they feel like they don't really know about all that he accomplished in his life and kind of his legacy because it's a great tragedy that um one that he was murdered by the government um for being a real threat to its white supremacist like ideals and actions and also is um it's a real tragedy that we don't teach anything uh-huh. about him really oftentimes in our schools. And what we do end up hearing about him is really either inaccurate or incomplete um, and tends to focus only on the fact that he was killed, not on the amazing life that yeah. he lived in those 21 years that he had, which also helps us imagine what he would have done um, and the future that he would have been part of making and that he is still part of making, but certainly he would have been part of making in a different way if he had, if he was here to celebrate himself with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, anything you want to add to this? No, I think that was, that was great, Lauren. And, you know, like she said, it's this event and the celebration of Fred Hampton is still imagining his work, right? Cause it's not, it's not dead. It's not gone and re-envisioning um, the future of you know what he could have created and what we can create now. Um, so I just think that's really important. I, I do too. Well, Lauren, I'm always, I'm still struck by how the Black Panther Party in and of itself still gives people uh, anxiety. Even uh-huh. the powers, the white power structure, it still gives folks anxiety about what they were and what they were about. And, uh, and you know, 
<laughs> seeing them with guns was quite startling. And when you look at those pictures, even today, it, I mean, you, we've never seen anything like it since um, that level of resistance and bravado. Yeah. And self-determination, right? Self-determination. It's like an insistence on self-defense and self-determination against a, a an aggressive state apparatus that sincerely doesn't doesn't treat you as human and doesn't treat your needs as fundamentally deserving to be met. Um, and I mean, I also think <laughs> white people's anxiety, I mean, it's not just <laughs> white people's, but primarily white people's anxiety about like black radicals. Um, and, and I don't mean radicals, like in the way that, you know, the conservative party uses the word radical. I mean, like radical thinkers about like reimagining what life could look like. Um, but white people's anxiety about that is everywhere. I mean, look at like the the stuff going on around book banning as a bookstore. Like that <laughs> yeah. is deeply about um, this like false notion of like white innocence and people's anxiety about the way that the country is rightfully changing. And I like to think that like those indications are also evidence that like we and I'm thinking about like the we of something like Fred Hampton's like Rainbow Coalition, we are actually winning. And that's some of what the backlash is about, is that like people think they have to ban books now because they're realizing, <laughs> and they've always realized this, but especially now they're realizing people are reading them. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I just feel like on this really, I saw somebody with like, you know, the, the thin blue line sticker on their car. And Isaiah and I were out yesterday and he was like, I love this mural. And we're looking at his car and we're like, really? So fascinating. <laughs> but then we're just thinking like, you know, he, one, he doesn't really understand what it's about. But two, that the evidence of that sticker is just evidence that like actually people that we're winning that people think they need to put that sticker on the car partially because the right side of things is just making tremendous progress, even though there's a lot that's terrible. So, mm. And then here comes Juanita Sunday giving us a whole six dimension <laughs> and putting black folks into the future where everything around us is saying, we're not going to be in the future. Right. <laughs> so what, I mean, talk a little bit about that juxtaposition, Juanita, like you are deliberately saying we, yes, we are going to be in the future. We're going to be beautiful and we're going to be creative and we're going to be fabulous, but there's everything in the moment that says erasure. Right. But that's exactly why we need Afrofuturism. Um, and then I think particularly doing it here in New Haven, that has such a large black population. Um, and, you know, as I was putting this exhibition together and people were asking, well, why is it important? Why are you doing this? I'm like, black people need to see themselves represented, not just in the here, but as you said, in the future as well. Um, and seeing that hope, I think is so, so important for so many people. Um, you kind of have to see yourself and where you're going in order to start walking that path. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah, and, and so I think and New Haven has a strong Black Panther history too, right? Yeah. Like the 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 Seal trial was here, mm. you know, and Alan Rackney was killed here. So uh, so there's a whole, and you know, we had Black Panthers among us on the regular, you know, mm. like George Edwards was always on the scene, you know, and staring up in in meetings and and speaking truth to to power. And uh, Project Moore was built on the backs of. Uh, uh, a Black Panther ideology around uh, how do we take care of 
folks coming out of prison. So uh, how do how do we how do we access them? How do they access resources to have productive lives? That's that's out of the Black Panther playbook. <laughs> so New Haven is really mm-hmm. a, a great place for futurism, Afrofuturism um, um, thinking, and celebrating Fred Hampton's seventy fifth yes. birthday, which freaks me out that he was seventy five because my mother would have been my mother was like maybe a not quite a decade older than him and his mother babysat Emmett Till right mm-hmm. isn't that isn't that the truth his, uh, Fred Hampton's mother was the babysitter to Emmett Till how 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 odd and interesting uh that uh two two people can can uh, meet their end so violently mm-hmm. do you know what I mean in a in a breath in a breath so I don't want to I don't want to lose fact of that yeah Yeah. it's also like it's also um an opportunity to like publicly and collectively mourn yeah which is important too um because it it's a like it's a huge loss and i i think there's something um kind of special about the fact that it just happens that the timing of things like the mural that's getting put up um that features Ruth Wilson Gilmore, you know, who is like, you know, an abolitionist scholar, but somebody who also talks about like the idea that where life is precious, life is precious. And like, Ooh. that's the future that we want and need is like, a I future. love this mural. Talk about yeah. how the mural came to be Lauren, because you, when I said, now I, I don't know anything about murals. So I'm thinking it's going to take months to do this. She's like, Oh no, no. They'll be done in a week or half, week and a half. I was like, what? How do they do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, that mural is huge. So it actually, if all of us, I think it's bigger than any of us expected, anticipated, including the artists. And they're going to be coming back. They took a pause. They're going to be coming back in September to finish like detail work and some stuff up on the high side of the Hotchkiss side of the building. Um, it came about actually from a from like some some teachers who have been like organizing for a while called the Anti-Racist Teaching and Learning Collective. They're the group of folks who um, like really following the lead of young people have been trying to work on getting history taught more comprehensively and accurately in high schools. So like taking a more ethnic studies focus and having black history and Latinx history as part of the curriculum in Connecticut high schools. And that group um, also kind of spearheaded this reading group that was called the Intergenerational Abolition Project that read some of Ruth Wilson Gilmore's work. And, you know, Ruth is the daughter of Cortland Wilson, for whom the Wilson branch of the public library is named like a just beloved and crucial um, civil rights activist in New Haven with a legacy that extends beyond that. Ruth is his daughter, you know, went to Beecher Elementary School (laughs) um, and like grew up here. So in a lot of ways, this is home. And Ruth is also somebody who's like shaped the way that a lot of people who are doing some of the most important work in the country around prison abolition, but also just around creative transformation of like institutions that are toxic and dehumanizing. Um, You know, she's still alive and she's thriving. She's in her 70s. She lives in New York. And the mural, I think, was seemed like a beautiful way to honor the ideas and but, she knows it's up. She knows it's coming. Like oh, she, yeah. she, she's, she's, she's not gonna, gonna be surprised come. when she's she drives down the street and, to be like, "Why the hell am right. I on the side of a building?" <laughs> she's coming. She's coming in October. <laughs> but like, also an opportunity just to paint a mural of somebody while 
Yeah. To give them their flowers while they're here with us. I love it. Often, like murals go up after we've lost people. And mm-hmm. it seems like a really special way to engage people in exactly the kind of conversation I think Juanita is so wonderfully like highlighting. Highlighting is this like, how do we build a future that, you know, that uh, that is inclusive, but also it like centers the the inherent value of Black life and creation. Um, and that's really in a lot of ways what the mural is about and inviting people to be in conversation about. Mm. And so when, when we talk about the future, Afrofuturism, are we free in the future? Uh, free in all kinds of ways. Can we imagine that? Do you do you deliberately imagine us as free? Absolutely. We're free in every sense of the word in any way that you can imagine it. Um, there, There is no option but to be free in our future. There is no alternative. Oh, I love that. Oh, I need that on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I will say to tonight, just to this, like, when you, we got to get you to write that down. Um, there will be like part of the event. So the event goes five to nine. And just to like say a little bit about it, it's it's open and free. The store is open from five to six. There's a little overlap there. And then like any form of anything remotely capitalist is getting switched off. And, and the free fest begins fully at six it's like the meat of the event we'll have an open mic there'll be art supplies some free books people will be able to leave with a free book um there will be some amazing free food uh until it runs out um empanadas from madeline's and madeline's Yay! I, I know and that's what and i'm hazel, interested in what hazel am i eating donated, yeah <laughs> hazel donated some some amazing tamales from lorenza who makes them um by hand some Roasted potatoes, you know, from Edge of the Woods, who were kind enough to like give us a really good deal. Um, you know, some some just like a free a f- some free breakfast items to like feed the people, and just some invitations for people to work collectively and independently on art, um, mm-hmm. writing poetry, sharing poetry, creating things together. Like there'll be some questions up that like groups of people can interact with, so that we kind of start. Um, to to both document and encourage this the conversation to happen and to like keep a little bit of a record of what people's thinking is. Oh, to I be love it. Time there'll be music. <laughs> what did I no, miss, oh, Monica? Art. That was it. You got it. <laughs> and now you just came off of a great, great, great community neighborhood festival. Like I, people were live streaming, and I was like sitting in my sitting on my porch, like look at these <laughs> beautiful people in their neighborhood being fabulous and free and safe. Talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. So uh, Youth Day on Edgewood used to happen um, before the pandemic, and it was really put on by Taisha Walker-Myers, uh, Frank Douglas, and Yvette Hamilton, who was my alder. Um, and also, like, I used to do a block party. We kind of, that, that Yvette would come to, and they haven't happened since... Um, you know, since the pandemic. And in the meantime, the book space has moved here. So it was this really beautiful opportunity to like work together on the block to like bring back this um, block party that people used to love to go to. And there were just tons of partners. It would take a whole hour to like list them all. Everybody just came with their most beautiful, wonderful, generous self and like so many good vibes. And a huge shout out, um, I just want to say to Brittany and Shannon, who hosted this amazing event in the space 
um, in the book space while stuff was going on outside. So I didn't have to worry about anything in here because <laughs> they were in here um, like doing a maternal health hub and they had mm. all of these like black providers, doulas, midwives, lactation consultants, um, a sound um, session, like a sound healing session, really just for um, for black mothers. And it was so beautiful. You know, it was like this contained part of the event that was like also unfolding because it was so much so much of it was about like about life and mm -hmm. about like treating life as precious so it was just it was just really wonderful it's like Danny Gray Danny um captured it like so beautiful in this article in the arts paper so I hope everybody will read that because it really was like a testament to I think the kinds of things that neighbors want to do together truly mm -hmm. um so it was just I will hold that one in my heart for uh for the for the whole year until we do it again next August. <laughs> I love it. So so are we gonna celebrate is the is the Fred Hampton birthday bash an annual thing or have we decided or what are we doing? Is it one and done or <laughs> not it's to put okay. you on the spot? I, mean, I I love the idea of doing something and certainly we should Fred I mean we should celebrate Fred every year and I think we will always do that. Um it's also just a special time of year, I will say, for the book space, because one of before you jumped on, I was talking about like Babs started the Book Joy Fund mm. a year ago today. Oh, wow. Like, I know. It's so sweet. And the, the book space opened in August of last year. So it just feels like um, it feels like a time of celebration. But I yeah. also I also think it's really important for celebrations to be celebrations, but for them to also teach things. And I don't think it's ever going to be unimportant to teach people more about Fred Hampton than they know. I would like to think that if we do it right, everyone in New Haven over time will come to know a whole bunch more about Fred Hampton. So much so that young people will ask their teachers, how come I'm not learning about Fred Hampton? And then their teachers will have to be like, oh, oh I better get mine together and like <laughs> teach some teach some Fred Hampton history and the history that he's connected to and has inspired um since so I love it so it's a yes and also it will evolve and change and like and I'm just super grateful to Juanita because Juanita like you know if you you got to go to one you have to go to all the six dimension <laughs> events the the exhibition's amazing everything sounds and seems amazing and no, Juanita does nothing that isn't fantastic but also <laughs> just to have Juanita like jump on and partner for this feels super special and it feels like there's an inherently futurist aspect now of like also celebrating the history. Yeah. Um, and I love that. So I, I feel like it will, it will be handed off to, to community to do with um, kind of what they think needs to happen. Yeah. I, I feel that way too. And I, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm telling you, Juanita has got me thinking about the, about the, the future. I mean, I, I think I, I mean, I think I was always thinking about the future, but from a very dystopian place. Mm. Uh, but, you know, but looking at it from a very Afrofuturistic place um, gives me a sense of freedom about what the possibilities could be for us into the future. Like, I, mm -hmm. I just like that thinking better than, you know, Parable of the Sour, which is my favorite book. But, <laughs> you know, th that's a ride, right? Like, that's <laughs> beyond that, beyond that path beyond the parable path that there's got to be uh some celebratory uh we 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 is free kind of moments and afrofuturism opens that up 
at least in my mind, to that. So, you know, so so the festivities kick off for Fred Hampton today from six to six to nine. But, well, people, I mean, it's really five to nine. People can come. Okay, five to we'll nine. be going at five. We'll be kind of, we just know that like people's work day, if they're mm, doing a yeah. traditional work day, you know, we're envisioning like six to eight is going to be the crux of it. And folks will be there before and folks will be there after we'll be building up and we'll be winding down and, um, and just spending some good, good time together. Now, do you get to close the street or, or people just be on the sidewalks or in front of the store? Yeah. I mean, we're probably going to be, I don't want, hope nobody from traffic and parking is listening, but um, we're probably going to spill over into the street. Hotchkiss is not a super busy street and we'll have stuff on either side, uh, either side of the sidewalk. Like Nizay and I worked on this timeline that we're really excited about Fred's life going that like then invites people to imagine the future. Um, And that will actually be on the side of the, where the laundromat is. So People will be on the sidewalk. We have beautiful wide sidewalks. People might also be in the space. Nzima, for example, Nzima Hutchings, who's the poet laureate of um, Enfield, Connecticut, is coming down. So fantastic, has been doing these poetry workshops. Oh, I've enjoyed her so much. She's going to have this, like, write a poem to your future self, like, opportunity that's part of the night. So there'll just be, like, a bunch of good stuff going on, and it'll take up the space that it needs to take up, of course, like, respectfully to, to neighborhood needs. I love it. I love it. And, 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 you know, this, listen, I want people to know this was not an army of people. This was a <laughs> mighty tight group of people <laughs> pulling this off. It wasn't 20 people. It was like five people. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Small and mighty, small and mighty, small and mighty. You know, small and mighty. And people were in and, in and out, in and out. I was telling people, I said, you know, I, I, I brought this concept of, uh, a former friend of mine uh, had this idea that uh, no one was talking about Fred Hampton. And I said, well, let me connect you to my friends. Mm. And, uh, and, and sure enough, my friends was like, snatched it out of the hands and just like, <laughs> okay, we going to go and run with this and, uh, and never look back. And, uh, and that's a testament to community and, and, and really great friends. <laughs> doers we are doers. not we are all we are a crew of doers on this, yes. this call and in general get you a, get you a crew of virgos let me tell you something <laughs> with some with some other some other zodiac and you got a mighty mighty army of folks so so yeah so it wasn't it wasn't like this was 50 million people and i think that's what i want to tell people you don't need 20 people to plan stuff mm-hmm. you just need people who are committed to whatever the mission is and dedicated to it and put the work and the time in to make it happen. So I, I want people to understand that, that, you know, because people get caught up in like, I don't have enough people to do stuff. Yeah, you do. You you, you have enough people and, and, and it'll grow as, 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 as you start to share what you're doing. You know, that's the good thing about New Haven. You can always find people who will jump in with you. <laughs> that's think. so true. And we've had such wonderful like folks jumping in. Black Infinity Collective has like totally jumped in. Um, the Fairside folks have jumped in and are going to come out with like art supplies for kids. You know, just people donating food. And I'm like, I just know, you know, Grandma Sherry is showing up tonight with something to share <laughs> with everybody because <laughs> Grandma Sherry never comes with anything with empty <laughs> hands, you know. So I just feel like it's it promises to be a really great night. And I do hope people, too, will like 
actually dust off their poems. It can be like a few words. It can just be a sentiment so that we actually have some folks from, you know, from the neighborhood. And it, and you don't have to be, to your point, Babs, about like small and mighty. You do not have to be a poet. Like I'll probably read something and I'll my face will get red because it that's what happens. And I'll sweat profusely and you're going to probably see evidence of it. Um, and I think it's like just an important thing to like help ourselves do in front of each other and also like receive from each other. So, um, so bring something to read or bring something to share. Even if you don't go up to the mic, you could share it it with like somebody over, over a tamale. Yes. I love it. And you know, the last time we gathered with, uh, Enzima, uh, we worked on poetry and and it was, it was so, uh, uh, it was so. Uh, uh, just it, it was such an interesting experience the way that she framed out questions and and how to write a poem and mm-hmm. I think everybody was quite moved you know by you know speaking to the younger self and and I love the question about what would we want somebody to say about us on our 75th birthday mm-hmm. I was like oh lord you know <laughs> and, and and it was interesting to see people like struggle with that a little bit right Cause you know, that's, because that's future thinking Juanita, you have to think far into the, I mean, I'm 60, so that's 15 years from now, you know, thinking about that. I don't, I can't even imagine. So, uh, <laughs> but it was a good exercise though. It was a really good exercise in thinking about that. So, so yeah, so more of that. So yeah, so people come and I, did I see in the flyer, Lauren, bring your skates? You mean roller skates? <laughs> well, I will say that would be easier if we had a formal closure of the street. Yeah. But yeah. like, but people certainly can. And it's like, it is a smooth patch of, um, and I feel like bring your skates is like, if the street is slow and we have enough people out there to like create just like safe passage for folks to like loop around a little bit and have fun, it, feel, it would feel really good. You know, one of the reasons why that came up is because at, at one of the, um, at least for me, at one of the intergenerational abolition project meetings, there was this question about like, where in New Haven do you feel free? Mm. Um, And where do you feel we need to, where do you feel freedom is not and we must make it? And it's part of this map that will be up and people can add things to. Um, And two people in the group said, I feel free when I'm roller skating. Mm. And it just was like, you know, I haven't roller skated since I was like in eighth grade. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> it's mm. probably not a good look, right? <laughs> um, but I feel like there's so much cool like renaissance in in roller skating. And um and it would be super lovely if people want to do that. I'm sure we can find ways, even if it's just roller skating the way that kids used to do on the block, like up and down the sidewalk, with adults making sure that no fool's gonna come out of a driveway. Um, mm-hmm. you know, acting up and and not making safe passage for a child. It's like that's the kind of thing that we could certainly make happen um as a crew of folks together tonight with some music and food helping us on. Well, I so thank y'all for jumping on this morning on <laughs> you know to uh to talk about this event today because I, I I I want people to know about this and I hope people come out and I know I know people will come out, so I'm not even worried about that part. Uh but I just wanted the community wide to know um that you know there's a little mighty group thinking about these kinds of things. And, and we want to remember uh, Fred Hampton on his 75th birthday. So yeah, so come and eat and hear some music. Maybe we could get a little, uh, a little uh, line dancing going in the middle of the street. Cause you know, that's my, my, that's my new group dancing is my thing now. Cause I got new hips. And so I said, 
when I got these new hips, I would lead line dancing. So there we go. So come out, make some art, get some poetry, eat some breakfasty kind of things, and, <laughs> and be in community with folks and, and get a free book. You know, who doesn't like a free book? <laughs> yes, so, so don't so don't wait too long to show up, you know, because we are small and mighty. That part is true. There's not like books till the ends of time, but you could right. also bring, you could also bring a book you love to maybe like swap with wow. someone else yeah, or to awesome. give to someone else in the spirit of like what the Panthers did for each other uh, day in, day out. I love it. I love it. I love it. I might find a book to do just that thing. So thank you, Juanita Sunday. Thank you, Lauren Anderson. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate y'all. And I, I'll see you. I'll see you. I'll see you. I'll be there with bells on. I'm ready. Fred Hampton, happy birthday. So uh, thank you all so much for jumping on this morning. Absolutely. See you later. I'll see you later. See you later. All right, Harry Droz. So we got about a few minutes before I break. And then the next round of folks, Ife Gardine. And uh, uh, and company will be on Elm City Lit Fest and the uh, uh, Literature of Hope, the Romance Conference is going on at Yale. Uh, those folks will be on uh, uh, Jania Ray Moore and um, and the beautiful, beautifully talented uh, Beverly Jenkins uh, will be on. And we'll, we'll just have a good conversation about, you know, the Romance Conference, Elm City Lit Fest and uh, historical romance. I mean, we can make it all work, baby, because that's what we do. So I'm excited. This is this is a good day. It feels like a Friday. <laughs> it feels it feels like a Friday instead of a Wednesday. But maybe that's a maybe that's a good thing that your Wednesday feels like okay, there's a lot going on, and there is. So uh, I'm excited. I've been waiting for this day for quite some time. So uh, you know, to see it from for. for, for from fruition to now and uh it's a beautiful thing so and uh and i love my friends and i cannot believe it's been a year uh that possible futures i feel like possible futures has always been there you know it's only been a year imagine what they got imagine the impact you know and two years time and three years time like it just seems incredible to me and, you know, and and it wasn't an easy climb, you know. It, it all it looks dazzling, but it's no easy climb. And 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 you know, to start a business in this climate is challenging. I don't I don't care what it is, you know. But there are these brave and these few brave souls who say, I I have something I want to offer to the world, and they get it out there. And and then we rally around and support it. So I'm I'm excited. I'm beyond excited. So so I hope the community comes out. And uh, and even if it's just folks in the neighborhood, come out. I mean, I'll be there. Let me tell you something. I will be there and I'll make some art. And uh, I got to dig up my my poem. I got to look for my poem that I did. Uh, you know, I put stuff down. I don't know where it is. But uh, I, I worked on some poetry uh, with uh, Enzima uh, when she was uh, hosting the poetry uh, workshops. So, so I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm ready. I wrote a po- I wrote a poem about about uh fred hampton and so i want to find it so that i could read it today hopefully i can put my hand on it because i cannot remember or recall from memory what that poem was so i i am a even if i was a younger woman i don't think i would remember i think i put it somewhere so that i could work on it again and then never got around to working on it so i you know what i'll find it i'm not i'm not too too worried i've got oh notebooks all over the place so I just don't remember what I took to the bookstore, but I'll look in the bag or two and see what's happening. And uh, yeah, 
So that's a that's a good Wednesday. This is a good Wednesday. This is how I like a Wednesday to go. Full of promise. <laughs> Full of promise and excitement and things to do. Things to do. And uh and who doesn't like empanadas and potatoes? You had me at potatoes. I love potatoes. So so I'm looking forward to it. And uh, if I could find some Gorilla Lemonade, my life would be complete. <laughs> some Gorilla Lemonade in my life would be complete. That's all right. We'll 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 make it do what it do. So anyway, that's the world as I know it. So let me see what else is going on. I haven't gone to the New Haven Independence site this morning. So since, I'm, since I've got a few more minutes before I take a break and uh, get myself ready for... Uh, uh, for my other guest at 1015, uh, I'm gonna go take a take a walk on the on the side of uh, Wild and check out the, the New Haven Independent. I don't know what is wrong with this. You know, my Wi-Fi is crazy. So I, that's another thing. Uh, I've got to uh, expand my Wi-Fi because you know they they send you these messages and and then slowly but surely. They let you know your Wi-Fi is not going to work. <laughs> I was like, all right. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to get to it. Oh, the piece for uh, uh, Juanita, uh, the exhibition is up. Yay. So the piece on uh, oh Brian Slater. Did I say Brian that day? I don't think I did. I don't think I saw him. I didn't think I saw him. Uh, but he got there and he took some pictures. These are great. So, so if you've not, uh, uh, um, if you've not gone to the Sixth Dimension, you really should get over there uh, because there's so many artists, and we know these artists. I mean, we know Jasmine Nicole, right? And Greg uh, Ame. So go and see their work in exhibition. It's beautiful. I, I loved everything about it. So. Anyway, it's up on a New Haven Independent site, and uh, it's nice to see, you know, uh, you know, with some other stuff. Uh, public schools, kids go back to, uh, kids go back to school to Friday, tomorrow. First day of school is tomorrow in New Haven, and uh, wow, so nice. Oh, I hear the rain. It's coming through and then it'll stop. Then it'll go on about its business. So anyway, so listen, I'm gonna take a break and I'll be back at uh, 10.15 with uh, Ife, uh, Jania Ray and Beverly Jenkins.
Girls IV from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. While COVID may not stop a baby's heart, isn't a child with a rising fever, cough, and chills enough to make your heart skip a beat? Children are 19% of reported COVID cases with higher rates in Hispanic and black children. Vaccinated six months to five-year-olds are 80% less likely to get COVID, which means 80% healthier New Haven one-year-olds and 100% happier New Haven parents. To learn more, visit nhvvax.org. I'm Southern Connecticut basketball coach Scott Burrell, born right here in New Haven. I won an NBA championship with the Chicago Bulls. So I know a great defense is a game changer. That's why I support New Haven's Health Department's Take a Shot campaign to help defend teens against meningitis. Whatever your post-high school life is, take a shot now and help keep yourself, your friends, and your family safe and healthy. For more information, visit nhbvax.org.
you down. But there's something I want to say to you. Hey, get up, brothers. Do any dance that's groovy to you. Yeah, man. To the folks of town that black power is not their plan. But through it all, we kid ourselves and fool one another by failing to see the simple fact that every brother ain't a brother. I mean, a brother wants his people to have the things they need to survive. And a brother doesn't destroy his brother, he fights to keep him alive. A brother doesn't live off other brothers. He makes it on his own. And a brother wouldn't refuse a brother if the other really needed a loan. 
that you think about what brotherhood means and then let's level with each other. I mean, the truth is the light, but it's a dark fact that every brother ain't a brother. Is the cat a brother who shoots a brother and thinks that makes him bad? Is the cat a brother who says he's black because it's now the bad? We're at the point in the world today for self-evaluation. Just to find out where we really are in this racially torn up nation. And you know, one of the first things that we must do is to stop killing one another. And get on the case of realizing that every brother ain't a brother. Though I said that every brother ain't a brother. And I know you know that's true. But Hi, let's go. Because that brother second hour of love baths love talk the wheels do indeed keep turning i am delighted this morning to talk to the elm city lit fest uh founder ife michelle gardine and uh is it jania do i say jania y'all unmute yourselves jania ray moore uh from uh, now i'm excited about this the popular romance fiction and literature of hope conference that's uh happening at yale university uh she's the ringleader for that and and my soror and uh and a prolific uh i guess she's probably one of the most popular historical romance writers living uh today oh and, bless uh, you <laughs> hello soror beverly jingles it's not it's not you know i'm not a, talk to you i know you know i'm not a delta i'm a sigma <laughs> But you know, part ah. of the divine nine, so you know it all. It Yay. all works out. But well, yeah, yeah. listen, we all sisters in the struggle, girl. Hey, <laughs> so, I've been here seventy years, so yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. So uh, let's get into. So, Eve, tell me, the Elm City Lit Fest and the Yale, uh, the Yale folks uh, are partnering this year. Talk a little bit about how that came 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 about, and uh, let's get into this conversation. Y'all can unmute yourselves. Jania, you can un unmute yourself. Oh, my God. My. I, I can't hear you. Okay, there you go. Okay. Jania Ree Moore it came through, comes through the uh, possible future. She participates in the knitting and buys things and we was hanging out. <laughs> Yeah, your, your Wi-Fi is falling in and out. Of course, Lauren, who was on preview, the, uh, telling her, oh, I'm, I'm going to switch. Okay. So, so uh, Jania, you give us your take on, on how this partnership came together. No, no problem. Thank you, Babs, for having us. Good to see you, Miss Babs. This is hey, good to see you too. <laughs> um, yeah, we're thrilled. So as Ife was starting to say, we connected this spring, I think, um, probably early spring. I knew that a group of us at Yale were planning to do a romance fiction conference. And so, of course, went to Possible Futures, our wonderful 
local independent bookstore um, that celebrates romance readers and writers. And Ife, uh, Michelle is also connected with Possible Futures. And I had heard of Ife and had maybe connected with her separately at other community events, but really the book space was our realization, oh, I'm doing this event, you're planning the Lit Fest, we're looking at the same time, why don't we just do this together and really kind of shake things up <laughs> how, you know, academic conferences proceed in this town. Mm. And so, and, and so Beverly, they invited you to come because yes. you're, you're, you're one of the most popular romance writers uh, out there uh, in the world today. And you, and you are a black woman and you write historical romance, like people live and die by these things. So uh, <laughs> what does it mean to, to be considered at the highest academic level for, for this genre of books? Well, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> It's humbling for uh, a little colored girl from the east side of Detroit, right? <laughs> um, and when Jania told me that she wanted to incorporate some of my work into her dissertation, I was floored. Um, I've had academics teach my books in the classes and, you know, and have done some, some many things at, at universities, but this was novel and it was very, very... I mean, it's one of those blessings that you, you never think that you're going to get, but um, very, very pleased and looking forward to it and uh, uh, love being able to tell our history in a way that hasn't been done before, I guess. I mean, I guess this sort of had this niche to myself for 20 years. So I'm honored and blessed and all that. And like I said, looking forward to meeting everybody next week and seeing what happens. You know? like, yeah. So, so Jania, why romance novels? Like what, what is it about romance novels um, that caught your attention? That's such a great question. Uh, several things, and I should share, I'm a doctoral student at Yale in the African-American studies and religious studies department. And so I'm coming from that perspective and that location. Um, but just as a reader, I think, I had always enjoyed various genres of fiction and romance and included in that, you know, as a kid, preteen, um, and then continuing on into adulthood. But now in, as an academic, what I find so appealing is the accessibility of these books, right? We've been reading them, I don't know, I have since well before getting into a PhD program and, uh, and continue to read them, at, hopefully after, you know, I get out of here, but just really that level and range of um, of the medium of literature as a as a space that's about the same for sharing history in novel ways. Um, you know, a lot of ivory tower academic work does not have that reach. Romance is the most popular segment of uh, the fiction industry, the most lucrative, and so I think that really tells us something about you know, how people learn what people desire and, um, you know, a real radical way to teach Black history. So that's my own personal take. I will say that I'm joined on the organizing committee by some wonderful fellow doctoral students who also read romance. So when I, when I talked to Dr. Katrina Jackson, who writes under her name, Katrina Jackson, um, uh, about romance, romance didn't always enjoy 
this good reputation now. You know, people used to frown upon um, romance as a literary work of art, but here it is now, like the, the thing that is holding up, uh, <laughs> particularly <laughs> Black romance, uh, holding down the publishing industry. Uh, did that have some bearing in, on why you brought this conference together? Like, did you want people to know that, you know what, there are Black people out here writing good doggone romance books? Absolutely. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I think that that challenge to the way that romance is or has been pejoratively viewed as trashy or as less than or, you know, just genre of fiction generally, there's often a false divide between what's considered literary and, you know, Ms. Bev talks about this and, and what are more popular forms of literature. Um, yeah. yeah. So Ife, this is this is Elm City Lit Fest fifth year, fifth year, fourth year, fifth year. It's our it's our <clears throat> it's Lit Fest fourth year, and um, we're just very honored to be in in collaboration with um, this conference, and it, and it adds so much to uh, what the programming that we already had because we also are are um, partnering with Jamaican American Connection, so all the entertainment. And the plaza and food will be uh, Jamaican, <laughs> will be Caribbean, actually, not just Jamaican, but Caribbean. We'll have good Caribbean food trucks and a couple of steel bands and some dancing. It's going to be fun. I'm looking oh, forward fun. to it. Oh, good. So, so, all right. So this is, this is uh, the first partnership with Yale at this level. Uh, well, what is there a romance conference every year or this is this year is this next year is science fiction or whatever it is like you know what i mean like does it shift and change or it depends on the doctoral students <laughs> this is a one time <laughs> one and done sort of deal um although of course we would love we would be honored if other people on campus here or elsewhere were inspired honestly as we were this isn't the first conference on romance to happen there was one at princeton um i want to say in 2009 that spoke there there were several at bowling green both before yeah. at bowling green state university before and after the princeton yeah. conference so we're really um you know standing on the shoulders of work that has been done and is being done at other institutions and with ife's um Elm City Lit Fest, you know, fourth annual, I went to, I think the, the third Lit Fest, was that the one? Yeah, in person. And just the span of writers that are brought to the community at the Lit Fest is its own instructive model, I think, for, for us at Yale. So we're excited. So, so Beverly, you are uh, considered an expert in historical black romance, right? Um, and and that that I find that challenging because we know so much we know about the history of blacks during antebellum South and all that other kind of stuff. How do you find romance in the midst of all that? Well, you know, it, <laughs> you know, and, and that is part of the issue is that Hollywood and a lot of fiction focuses on the pain. The kids call it pain porn. Mm -hmm. And they never consider how we carved out our lives in spite of all of that 
the lynching and the disenfranchisement and the gutting of reconstruction. But I do day-to-day people. Um, we still had birthday parties. We still had marriages. We still had engagements. We still had colleges to build. And nobody touches on that. Nobody touches on the the strides made by the by the first female black doctors coming out of Pennsylvania in the 1880s. Nobody touches upon, you know, this thing of Harriet Tubman. Nobody talks about Harriet Tubman's spying when she was spying for the Union Army. Nobody touches on the Buffalo soldiers who patrolled this country from the Canadian border to the River Grand, the Rio Grande, and, and were the, the law in a lot of places where there was no law. So you have this whole hundred years of black excellence in spite of the Jim Crow, in spite of the lynchings. Because if we didn't have, if we didn't keep going forward, we wouldn't be here today. But I don't whitewash it. Mm. You're gonna get, you're gonna get the real deal, but you're also gonna get the parts of African-American history that nobody teaches us. You're also gonna get strong black women. You're gonna get supportive, strong black men. Somebody else who doesn't, they don't get their flowers either. You know, they have been defending this country since the French and Indian Wars before it was even a country. And all we see on TV, well, things have changed a bit, but all we see on TV are deadbeat dads and and brothers who are drug dealers. You don't see the, the men who are, you know, supporting their wives or playing outside with their kids or, you know, keeping their connections with, with their churches and with their families. So I think we as African-American uh, romance writers are giving you the full spectrum of our life and not just focusing on the pain. We know mm. about slavery. We know what we've done. But, you know, we, you know, nobody's talking about the, all of the, um, the Black legislatures during and during before and after reconstruction. Nobody's talking about that history. We're not talking about the the public uh, schools that the freed slaves started in the South. There was no public schools in the, in, the, in the South before these people became free. So I have a whole century to play with, to share um, the black and brown outlaws of, of Indian territory. One of... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you this quick story. One of my readers, you know, my readers love the history as much as they love the stories. And one woman, her grandson, did a Black history project. This was years ago. I don't remember whether he did the Black, the black uh, Sheriff's of uh, Bass Reed or whether he did something on the East Coast. Anyway, the teacher was like, where'd you get this stuff? Because she was impressed. And he said, I got it from my grandma's Miss Bev books. So, <laughs> to, so to have that legacy, that not only are my readers reading, not necessarily for the love scenes, but for the history, and they can pass that on. Because you know, if you you educate a, a, a woman, you educate a race. So they are passing along this history to their to their children, to their sons. We have couples who are reading my stories at night for cuddle time. Um, a lot of 
black men read my stories because I okay, write Okay, I'm going to add that to my, my date night kind of vibe. Um, thank you very much for that. You are very welcome. I get lots of letters <laughs> from brothers who are saying, thank you, Miss Beth. You know, but, but we as African-American romance writers, in spite of the, the crap we've been getting from publishing and, and all that, stay true to to the to the legacy stay true to the to the trip um we're gonna give you a good story we're gonna give you a positive story we're gonna historical we're gonna you know raise your your knowledge on on stuff that you may not know about and be proud when you're done one of my readers said she said miss bell when i'm done with your books I don't want to sing. Nobody knows. You know, so, so I'm on my third, my fourth generation readers now. You know, some are old hens like me, and and then their daughters, and the daughters that are in college now. I have two young adult historicals for for young ladies, very very age appropriate for young women from twelve to to eighteen. They don't get the heat, but they get that that old school. You know how you used to see that boy riding by your house on that bike and your heart just going, you know, patter pitter patter, you know. So in, in a historical setting. So I'm just, you know, as my girlfriend says, sister just out here trying to pay a light bill, you know. I'm and 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 sharing the joy of what it means to be African American in the United States. Oh, I love it. I love it. So Ife, tell us about the day. Um, tell us what is the structure of the day and what's the date of the, the Elm City Lit Fest? So Lit Fest is September 9th, Saturday, September 9th. The conference is actually, is it the 7th, 8th, and 9th January or just the 8th and 9th? There's an event that's an exhibition that starts on the 7th, but I can say more about that in a minute. Okay. So the Lit Fest is on the, the 9th. Um, from 11 to 11 to 1, we will have children's programming in the entertain in the um, Stetson Library, and in the um, it, it's some in the Q House, and also um, entertainment. That's where the entertainment will be in the uh, Plaza, and food is the the food trucks will be there all the time, and then and then at one o'clock is when the conference um, will come over and we'll start with the pan and <laughs> um, Adriana Herrera, a local writer, Tara Roy, and one other person I forgot, oh my gosh, um, which will be moderated by um, another um, Yale Div student, <laughs> um, Ryan. Ryan is very excited about uh, moderating that. And then um, we'll have an author Authors Row in the gym of the Q House, where all the authors um, participating in the conference and Lit Fest will have tables for people to buy their books, get them signed, talk to the authors, and um, and we'll also and then about two two fifteen or so there's going to be or maybe three um, there's going to be two workshops. Um, one about developing characters. And we're going to have a brother, Jay Kemp, a local author, um, um, doing a workshop about into you and me, intimacy. <laughs> so um, 
And, and this year's Lit Fest, we will also at the end, um, in the final half hour of it, we will be um, announcing New Haven's inaugural Poet Laureate because New Haven doesn't have a Poet Laureate. So the Elm City Poet Laureate will be announced. And so um, the finalists will all be um, reciting poetry, their poem, their original poems about New Haven. And then um, we'll be announcing the Poet Laureate and then we'll close down so we can get to uh, the end of the conference, which is the keynote. <laughs> So Jania, talk about the talk about the the conference. Sure. So um, the conference has a range of events going on. We're really excited. As Ibe mentioned, the dates are Friday, September eighth, and Saturday, September 9th. There will be an exhibition on Black historical romance that is about basically Miss Beth's wonderful historical work and the <laughs> the items and and kind of landscapes that she brings to life. That exhibition will be on view at the Beinecke Rare Book and Manuscript Library from Thursday, September 7th through Sunday, September 10th. Um, but the lineup of the conference is really <clears throat> Friday starting in the afternoon and ending, concluding with our big wonderful keynote uh, Saturday at 6 p.m. Um, there's a film screening on Friday at four. That's our kickoff event. A panel after the film. Uh, Miss Bev will be on the panel because she's in the film. <laughs> a documentary, <laughs> uh, Love Between the Covers, is is the film about the romance industry, and it's great. And we've gotten the documentary director, uh, Lori Kahn, Miss Bev, and some other writers from the film, and other folks in the romance industry, editors and commentators who will be speaking on the panel that Friday night. Saturday morning, we'll start um, at 9 a.m. Breakfast will be at 8, <laughs> uh, but 9 a.m. with one panel on romance as a site of education, challenge, and hope. So very much along the lines of what Ms. Bev was just talking about earlier in terms of Black history and the, the real historical challenge that the genre of romance can offer to you know, ways that Black and other histories are misimagined in the public sphere um, or not talked about. So that'll be at nine. And then at 1045, we'll have another panel. Um, this one I'm really excited about as well with a couple of podcasters who are also romance writers and scholars, including Dr. Julie Moody Freeman of the Black Romance Podcast, and really shining a light on the extraordinary oral histories that uh, she has done with Black romance writers and that another podcast, Faded Mates, has done with um, other romance writers and folks and 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 some other um, scholars will be on that panel as well. Um, and then, as Ibe said, around 12.15, we're going to transition to the Lit Fest, have our third panel, um, or our fourth panel there at the Lit Fest with a wonderful group of authors, book signings, uh, food trucks <laughs> and yes yes so excited so now where's your where's the the bulk of your conference at is it on Yale's campus or is it where is it it's at the humanities quadrangle building which is at 320 york street it's right next to toad's place it used to oh be yeah yeah I know it. <laughs> yeah. And is it free and open to the public? Can anybody come or do you have to register? You do have to register. It is free. But we are asking people to register because 
seats are limited um, and we're communicating to registrants in advance, but I just put a link in the chat with our website and uh, folks can go to our website and register both for the conference and for a special how to write a romance novel workshop if you're interested happening on Friday before the conference at 1230. Okay, so 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 Beverly Jenkins, you're out here writing these wonderful, and and I, I let me let me let me say this. I read one of your contemporary romance novels, not one that is of historical nature. Okay. I was flying across the country, and uh, and I I picked up the book in the airport. Okay, and I read it halfway going. I think I was going to California. I was going somewhere, and then I read it halfway through. And when I got to California, I couldn't wait to get back on the flight to come back so I could read the rest <laughs> of the book. That's how good the book was. And so I've been a fan ever since. So oh, I just want to, well, to fangirl you right there. Well, was... you know what? I, I appreciate all members of the family. So you know, <laughs> thank you so much for the support. And so when you're, writing, when you're writing when you're writing historical fiction, I, I would imagine that you have to have a commitment to being accurate and, and you know, with the details yeah. around what is happening. Yeah, because there's so much inaccuracy with, with African-American history. Um, and I'm teaching also. I'm learning. My readers are learning. And I want to get it right. You know, I don't want it to be challenged. I have a, um, and I have so many different women. A lot of my women are very, very varied in what they do in life. And I have a, a doctoral historical, historic, his, doctoral history school. I'm just waking up. <laughs> okay. She's a doctoral you, student. You all right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and she was talking to her professor about the great exodus of 1879, which was the first um, mass migration of black folks out of the South after uh, Reconstruction. <clears throat> this is not to be confused with the, the great migration of 1900. This is 1879. So she's talking to her professor in her history class. And he's telling her he had never heard of this. She obviously had made it up. She must have it confused with. And so she told me, she said, luckily, Miss Beth, you put your sights at the end of your books. She says, so, oh. yeah, you get scholarly romance from me. So he <laughs> said, <laughs> at least that's what the free press called it, Detroit free press called it scholarly romance. So she said she just, you know, gave him the sights. And so I said, well, what happened? Did he, was he able to apologize with, with his foot in his mouth? And she said, he was not happy. She said, she got to be in the class. She said, probably because, you know, she you know, challenged him. But, you know, it, it's, I love it. And, and no whitewashing, because you can't tell the history if you can't be true to it. Um, but I'm enjoying it. I love what I do. I love, I feel like I'm connected to every sister in this country. You know, six degrees of separation. Um, I mean, do you know? Do you know when you're going to write something <laughs> historical or contemporary? Like, and, and and which do you prefer? Because I read a book. The book that I read of yours was contemporary. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I made my name doing historicals. I did historicals for the first twenty years, mm -hmm. and then started doing the contemporaries because I like suspense and I like car chases and I like blowing stuff up and you get that <laughs> with the contemporaries. Uh, most of them are set in my hometown of Detroit. 
But <clears throat> most of the contracts that I got, the first thing I sold was historical. So they kept giving me contracts for historicals, and I kept writing historicals. Um, I prefer the historicals. I do like cleaning the palette with the suspense. So a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Mm. I like it. I like it. So Ife, so this is year four, and the theme this year is literature of hope. <laughs> okay. And what it's does that mean? T tell me what does that mean, uh, Jania and Ife? Literature of hope. What what should I be thinking about when I when I hear the theme? Well, when I first heard it from Jeannie Ree, I I, I I thought, why not? Like we need, and and you know this, I feel this way all the time, Beth. In the midst of our struggles of life, and as Ms. Bev mentioned earlier, like we got a whole bunch of stuff happening. We still have to maintain some joy and we still loving each other and we're still having our rituals of like we went to this beautiful wedding Friday night of an African man and an African-American woman. And it was just such a celebration of joy. So literature, when I think of romance novels, I think of all of that. <laughs> and so the literature of hope means like, yes, we, there are people that I've met that say, oh, I only read, I don't read any fiction. I only read these biographies or real stuff, essays and stuff. It's like, your life got to be so rigid and boring. <laughs> like, how do you find some joy? Amen. <laughs> we have to, you can't be like this all the time. Mm. Like yeah. there has to be something where we places that we can go and and, and literature that we read that um, inspires us, that rejuvenates and recharges us, and that's how I, that's how I feel about it. Mm. So, so Genia, uh, what do you think of the the future of uh, romance? And I want you all to answer this, Beverly. You too. Uh, what is the future of romance? Is there a future for romance? Do we want more Black <laughs> romance writers? And who are we not hearing from? Those are great questions to ask. Um, I'm going to let Ms. Bud take them. I'm going to come in a little later. <laughs> I think, I, the, you know, for a while I was very concerned um, because there was not a, a lot of young women or young men because there's you know, brothers writing this romance too coming up behind us. But as more and more people started you know, protesting for diversity. You know, we got black women writing everything. Romance, you know, and what's one of the joys of romance too is because it's such a big genre, you can do erotica, you can do paranormal, you can do contemporary, you can do historicals. And you have black writers doing all of that. So I think the future is open and all identities, which is new. Um, because love is love. Mm. And if trans people want to write romances, they can do that now. Gay people can write romance. Lesbians can write romance. You know, the whole spectrum plus can now write romance. And because like I said, love is love and everybody needs to see themselves on the page, whether it's romance, whether it's science fiction, whether it's kids' books. You know, don't get me started. I'll be here till Tuesday. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
<laughs> so, I, Jania, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Ife. I want to. I want to add to that too. I want to say, in the four years since I started LitFest, um, that I've been reading. I've, I've been reading and meeting so many authors of color that want to be heard, like from science fiction. Like last year, our our thing was Afrofuturism. And man, these people came out. And then we started it two years ago, um, just from our first, because of our first two Lit Fest having a comic and graphic novel yep. panel or section. We we start we had to start DiasporaCon because that's a whole nother genre in and of itself. And, and within the genre of comics and graphic novels, there's LGBTQ, there's um, multi, it's so diverse. I, like, I am so excited, and especially in the time of people banning books that don't even read. Hello. Okay. These people don't even read, and they banning books. And we have a surgeon of writers <laughs> of preach, color and of that, so many backgrounds. <laughs> I mean, because they get in the... Don't get me started either, because like the <laughs> list that they put in our fan books don't even have the right authors with them. Like you don't even know who wrote the damn book that you're. Excuse me, Harry right. for cussing. Um, you don't even know the author of the book that you're 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 banning, and you post the wrong authors. So these are people <laughs> that don't read. And anyway, but the opportunity. So Litfest is about the celebration of literature of the African diaspora for everyone. Like for us to know, of course, and see ourselves and for them to know about us right. and not have these false perceptions from these mofos that don't read, <laughs> that trying to run this country. All right. Well, we, we we got like we got like a minute left, and and, and my producer is waving at me. Uh, so we got a a, a minute left, and uh, Jenny, I want you to get in, and then I I'm gonna let Bev lead us out with, you know, perspective if she wants. So that sounds great. I'll just uh, echo everything that has been said for, before, especially by Ethan just now. That was great. Um, the literature. The festival, the Literature of Hope Conference, these are not divorced from the larger political realities that are going to war against Black history and mm -hmm. against women's bodies and against a whole lot more. Right? So um, we're just glad to open this space on campus and in the community. And I will say thank you for sharing the flyer. We haven't mentioned it, but Ms. Bev will be in conversation with Roxanne Gay for the keynote at 6 p.m. on Saturday. Again, that's at HQ at Yale. Mm, I'm looking forward to it. So, Ms. Jenkins, you yes, have the last word. What do you What do you want us to know about romance? Read, <laughs> read it. You know, it's a literature of hope. It's comfort reading. It's dragons. It's cowboys. It's you know, and the the support your indie bookstores. They are so valuable to the communities all over the country. And 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 people are, you know, African-American men and women and, you know, people of all identities of color are opening bookstores. Please support them so that they can support the community. And if you can't 
afford books. Get a library card. The best gift you can give a child, in my opinion, is a library card. Mm-hmm. You know, take it from this little colored girl from Detroit. You know, I, we had more love than we had money. But every <laughs> Saturday, I walked 16 blocks to my local library. Um, feed the need of your children to read. I'm out. Thank you so much, Beverly Jenkins. Thank you so much, Jania Ray Moore. And thank you, Ife Michelle Gardine. Uh, we are looking forward to Lit Fest on uh, September uh, 9th. Um, we'll start the 8th for the conference and then the 9th. And then, uh, and I'm going to try to take in as much as I can. I'm going to try to get through it all. So, <laughs> yes, and I, I'm going to go ahead and stack up on my historical romance novels now, girl. You done gave me some date night. <laughs> my job here is done <laughs> thank you very much thank y'all so much for this wonderful conversation i'm looking forward to the uh fourth annual um elm city lit fest and i know it's going to be wonderful so thank you all for your time and your talents and i'll see you out here in these uh book reading streets <laughs> bye everyone bye bye thank you harry Drone. i'll see you tomorrow mm-hmm.